1: I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing Playing With Science. Science. Sport has always been about numbers. And one of those numbers is coming out of the shadows. And that number is 150 billion. I'll take it. Yes. Which is the total of US dollars that is waged illegally on sports bets every year in the U.S.
0: Wow. Yep. And in 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court gave the green light to legislate sports betting. What is the downside and who will ultimately win? Well, to give us his considered opinion is Brett Smiley, a sports writer and a former commercial litigator from New York, who will certainly know a thing or two about it.
1: We will also hear from David Beaudoin, a PhD in statistics at Laval University in Canada, who developed a program to determine the outcome of both. NBA and NHL games. So stay with us and certainly pay attention. And rounding off our perfect trifecta is Todd Furman, the co-founder of the podcast Bet the Board, an FS1 regular and former Vegas odds maker who will no doubt shed some light on AI's use in the mysterious world of sports betting. So right now, let's get into
0: our first guest, Brett Smiley. Brett, what's happening, my friend? Hanging out. Glad to be with you guys. So, Brett, you know, before we start the show, I just want to make it clear to people who are who are listening, and especially those that know me? Yeah, because they'll be like, "Oh man, really? You're doing this?" Uh, is that uh, you know? My father had a terrible gambling problem, right. uh, and for some people, gambling represents some some really bad stuff. Personally, for me, I feel like it's a it's an activity. It's uh it's a recreation that can go horribly wrong for some people, but that's a very small group of people. Most people just do it for fun, but I think it's uh, incumbent upon me personally to say that if you have a problem, there's no shame. And getting help, and that you can uh, uh, go to gamblersanonymous.org uh if you know somebody with the problem, and uh, I just think it's responsible for uh responsible of us uh, to make that disclaimer up front. But that being said, I'll let Gary jump into our show.
1: No, hundred percent agree with you because of family situation that you encountered, you've got you're absolutely right to deal with that. All right. Having said all of that, Brett, um, Sports Handle just give us a quick breakdown on what Sports Handle actually is because you're the co-founder.
2: Yes, uh, it's a website covering the sports wagering industry, uh you know some of the uh the stakeholders, the sports betting operators, a heavy focus on the legislation and we'll get into that, but there's uh just a ton of things going on in state and the federal level uh and covering some of the business as well because that's there's been a an influx of activity there, with with uh, Fox recently partnering, um, and then their Fox Sports, which will be broadcasting the Super Bowl, is also going to have a uh, a sports book uh, operational through the Stars Group by the next Super Bowl. So we wow. cover all. those. And yeah.
1: Well, that's not un- that's not unfamiliar territory for Fox because their British affiliate Sky Sports have Sky Bet. So then it's,
2: it's not unfamiliar for you. Yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> Go No, ahead. no, you're right.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. it's something I've grown up with as a Brit knowing that those two are a partnership. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is as you said, the landscape here is changing rather rapidly.
2: Yeah, it's um I, I last I checked I think about half or maybe 9 out of 20 of the uh Premier League teams had a primary sponsor that was a sports betting operator. Uh-huh. Uh, There's been a federal ban that was known as PASPA uh, that banned full-fledged wagering in Nevada since 1992. Uh, Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but that law was struck by the U.S. Supreme Court in May of last year. And now what they basically said, they didn't say that sports wagering is now legal in the U.S. They said that states, should they choose, should their elected officials choose to legalize, they can.
0: Where did this come from, this idea that gambling should be illegal? Because to me, it doesn't make any sense to make gambling illegal. It happens all the time. And, and so to me, it should be something where it's regulated. It, it provides income and revenue for states and municipalities. Because yeah. I don't care what you say, you're going to bet. No matter what, I mean, whether it's a friendly wager between friends, whether it's an office pool or whether it is legal, a casino or whether it's online. So where did that come from? This whole idea of like, we've got to make this illegal.
2: So let's go back into the time machine, literally 100 years, 1919. Yeah, the Chicago Black Sox scandal. Oh, uh, that was a scandal involving Major League Baseball back when. Players were earning very, very little. They still had jobs in the offseason. Basically, uh, a couple of those players with the team that was in the World Series got caught up in a scandal, and uh, they threw the game. It became the movie, was it, Eight Men Out, I think. Um, but that led to the installation of uh, the first commissioner in sports, at least in U.S. sports, an MLB commissioner, a judge, who was very hard-fisted. Uh, fast forward to, to see the leagues now, Doing a 180 because they really don't have a choice. It's just kind of fascinating to so watch. So, what
1: pressure? What pressure has been put on the leagues for them to flip the way that you've just described?
2: Or is it money? It's money.
1: Okay. It's, um, <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Let's let's look at this. We said at the top of the show, there's 150 billion dollars illegally bet on sports every year in the USA. What kind of number are we going to look at here under the legal umbrella? If this comes through and a number of states pick up on it,
2: yeah, that number 150 that may even be low, and that's an estimate. Wow, <laughs> the number referenced in in Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, uh, in a 2014 New York Times op-ed, which actually was kind of a a big moment for for a a big sport commissioner, be to be saying, hey, we should legalize and regulate because it's yeah. happening anyway, which we already covered. Uh, but the number he used, looking at some other studies, was 400 billion. Mm. Uh that's that's so it's somewhere between 150 and 400 billion. Who knows? Um, that is being wagered by U.S. citizens, like you said.
0: Cool. So let me ask you this: what's the what's the biggest mistake that beginners make when they want to get into recreation or think that they can maybe they know make be- a,
1: they know better make a
0: little oh, right? Yeah. What's the biggest mistake that you make when you're like, okay, I'm doing this now, man. I'm a I'm a I'm a player.
2: Number one is probably uh, betting with your uh, your heart, not your head. Uh, so don't just bet on your your home team just because you want to see them win. You need to look at it objectively, mathematically. Um, try and find an edge. And, and the, the second biggest mistake is bankroll management. Uh, everybody needs to bet within their means. If you're depositing $100, don't bet $100 on, on the first game If if you All want right. it to last. It's better to break it up into what's so-called units. You know, maybe that's one unit. If you want to bet in one game, it's $5. If you feel really good, maybe bet three units, $15 in the game. And just be disciplined. Because, you know, if somebody bets X amount on um, the beginning of a day on the Sunday if they're watching the Sunday night football game. And often it's called chasing. They just want to catch up and, and yeah, it's try called, to make it all back up at once.
0: So if you're sitting at a table, that's called throwing good money after bad.
2: Exactly. Yeah, so
0: now, yeah, you now we're ever inside. want to do that. Now we're
1: inside a gambler's mind in terms of sports betting. How they must be, the house must be so acutely aware of how a mind will be triggered, and they set all these goodies up for you to go chase, as Chuck was just saying. How how do they play with the the neuroscience that's going on in there for a gambler?
2: Well, there's. Um... I mean, there's different incentives that are offered, to, you know, to get people in and and get them interested in the first place. I mean, I, the sports books know that people, by and large, want to bet a little to win a lot, and that's what those accumulators are, the parlays, which means you got to get four four games correct, and you'll win like ten to one. Yeah. You know, as opposed to a more uh, reasoned and and slower and steadier approach, where you're winning X amount over a period of time, um, and Somebody who's who's prone to addiction. It's uh, it involves brain chemistry, dopamine, and it's 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 a reward-seeking behavior, and it's triggered, you know, sometimes by drugs, but also just gambling. Experience the, the, the thrill of being. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm gonna yeah. win ten to one, and I'm gonna take my family to Denny's. Uh, yeah.
0: Hey.
2: And- hey, but listen, listen, and
0: listen. For some people, they have a weakness for that. But when you said the four games, I got to tell you. You're thinking something lit up in my brain, and I was just like, "That sounds fun."
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. see, <laughs> like, back, like, I want to do that. Back in the UK, they're called Ackers. 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 Yeah, accumulators. Oh, accumulate. Okay. And the guys will load up on seven, eight games. Right. And the adrenaline—if yeah. if the first three come in. You're peeling him off the ceiling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Hey, Brett, thanks so much, man, for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Good to be with you guys. Pleasure's ours. Thank you. Right. We're going to take another break when we come back. Uh, David Beaudoin. This man is a PhD in statistics uh, from Laval University in Canada. He actually developed his own program for predicting games. Now, if that's not going to keep you listening, nothing will. I expect your company will be Welcome back to Playing With Science. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is our sports betting special. Right, our next guest. David Bodier is a man that's been developing programs to determine the outcome of both NBA and NHL games. Mm. Uh, Something that is of interest to a lot of people, and in particular, Chuck and I. So, Chuck, let's speak to David. David. Well, thanks for having me. No, thank you. Um, For soccer particularly in, in, in Britain and in Europe, there is such a, such a sophistication of the betting landscape. Uh, I can bet on the number of corner kicks, the number of yellow cards, the number of sending off red cards, nice. the, as well as the score itself. I can bet at the score at a certain stage in the game. I can bet at the score at half time. Uh, I mean, whether the, the markets are sophisticated like that in, in hockey, David, I'm not sure. But the destination of David's bet is the outcome. Mm. What I would love to know is how he constructs the journey to that destination, because that has to have an awful lot of sophistication and nuance in his thinking.
3: Well, it's it's a mix of a statistical model and other information that I get, like uh, injuries or who's the starting goaltender so I I run a statistical model that tells me okay well team A has a 57% chance of winning but considering I know a, a good player is hurt maybe I am going to reduce that to 52% or 49 it depends on how good the player is so it's a mix of numbers and other key information.
1: See remember we did a ho- couple of hockey shows uh, uh, a year or so back. Right they talk to us about different arenas in different parts right. of the league having different types of ice, ice depending
3: Faster say in california ice.
1: yep the ice would be different as opposed to canada
3: yes or in denver they have a uh, hair that is uh, thin or it's harder to breathe for people who are not from denver so they may have a bigger home ice advantage
1: you came up with a program that analyzed why or the relevance of pulling a goalminder early or at a different stage in the game and the, the coaches themselves weren't aware of that kind of analysis. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, exactly. The, the article was published in 2010 and at the time, the coaches were waiting until there was like one minute or 45 seconds left before pulling their goalie. Whereas today... They are not shy to pull their goalie with two, three minutes left in the game. So the philosophy has changed since then. I don't know how much my article has helped uh, in this regard, but uh, I sent the article to several general managers at the time. And a few of them called me, thought the article was was nice. So so right now, the the head coaches have changed the way they coach they do pull their goalie earlier
1: what made you focus on that particular aspect
3: Uh, because i'm a montreal Canadiens fan and i was upset when they would wait until there was like 40 seconds left to pull their goalie and i was like that's too late you're not going to score a goal in 30 40 seconds so why don't you pull it earlier it doesn't matter if you lose 2-1 or 3-1 it's still a loss so give it a shot Ah, there
0: you go. It I mean, was born that's, from that's, the heart
1: of a sports fan. There you
0: go, and it's common yes. sense too. It makes sense. What difference does it make if you're not gonna if you're not gonna win, you're not gonna win at that point, right? Exactly. Right? So yeah, if you're yeah. gonna throw a hail mary, you might as well make sure that you can actually get the ball to the end zone. What difference does it make? You know, it, bring it, on yeah. all your tall
1: players, right? Stay Put them in, in the, the
0: <laughs> Put all your tall players yeah. in the game. What difference does it make? I, I got to ask you this because I've, I've seen this uh, kind of people say this uh, when they're talking about you know dealing with bettors or come bet with them a 100% risk-free bet. Is there, is there any such a thing as a 100% risk-free bet? And then if it is, is it really a bet? Well, what do they mean when they say that?
3: Yes, it does exi- exist. It's called arbitrage betting, which is exactly what brought me into the online sports gambling in the first place back in 1999. So suppose team A is playing team B. Okay. Yeah. If if the odds between two sports books are significantly different from each other, you could bet a certain amount of money on team A with the first sports book, and you bet another amount on team B with the second sports book while guaranteeing yourself a profit at the end of the day, no matter who wins. Oh my goodness. So you are going to win one bet and lose one, but maybe you lost one thousand bucks with the first sports book, but you won one thousand and forty dollars with the second. So overall, you are up by forty dollars. How
1: many of those are available? Um, um, I mean, wow! Well, that bookmakers book are quite sophisticated these days. But that, you came up with that. <laughs> Yes,
3: oh yes. My God! 20 years ago. Yeah. 20
1: years ago, you came up with that? That's amazing. <laughs> but that, they will have shut that down by now, for sure. Or does that still yeah. exist?
3: Yeah. There were many, many such opportunities in 1999, but uh, not anymore today, unfortunately. There are, you can still find a few, but uh, it was great. But 20 years ago, uh, I had a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, supp- bet. Uh, yeah I bet you did. Uh, you probably <laughs> made a
1: lot of money, too, uh, Yeah, which I call fun. Yes. Yeah, I call money fun. So, I- If I said to you, you were all right, if we said sit down and said, right, we're going to prepare to make a bet uh, on a certain game, maybe it's NBA, maybe it's NHL, how much data and how many hours would it take for you to go from that thought to completing and placing a bet?
3: Uh, Well, every day I analyze games maybe for maybe an hour. It depends, of course, on the number of games. Yeah. But, uh, but I run some numbers for... Uh, I've got programs already written, so I run some uh, some statistical models. And I look at the, the information about the injuries and stuff like that, so it can take uh, quite a bit of time.
1: How many people operate in a similar way
3: to you? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm certainly not the only one. I'm sure there are... Uh, Many, many other people uh, doing this who are uh, good with numbers.
1: When you are analysing a player's injury, um, sometimes the organisation won't let out that the player is injured and that player turns up on court or turns up on ice, but it becomes obvious somewhere along the line that they're not playing full on. I mean, for instance, in the recent NBA playoffs, Joel Embiid from the Sixers. Sorry, Chuck. Yeah. It was obviously he wasn't playing at at full tilt, but we knew he wasn't in a good place. But sometimes that happens without people knowing. How do you make a change? Can you make a change with your betting or is it trapped in?
3: Yeah, you really need to do your homework and make the appropriate research. So We are in the information age, so you need to use it to your advantage. And I believe that following the right people on Twitter is a good way to go. You'll be up to date on the key injuries.
1: How interesting. Twitter has now become... A massive, massive indicator, and part of the construction and anatomy of a sports bet.
0: Yeah, as well as uh, politics and everything else. Like it's, it's used in politics. Uh, Since uh, when? Uh, you know what? It's a new thing. It's <laughs>
1: but it's catching on. From what I hear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. That's
1: right. <laughs> so where do we where do we go? So from where you kind of entered into the market into the late nineties and saw the value that was intrinsically there. Where can we go from here, this point in the 21st century? How sophisticated is our betting patterns, our, our betting techniques?
3: Well, uh, I do like to find patterns from historical data. So, but that being said, I'm aware that past trends may not be indicative of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. But if I feel like a past trend is likely to repeat itself in the future, I'm going to use it. So, uh, well, on my website, I've got, I've published some uh, specific betting strategies on baseball and they are all based on past trends. But here's the key thing. These trends needed to be in accordance with what my initial intuition was. So, for example, um, I think that the general public tends to rely too much on the most recent games. So they will be overly influenced by what has happened recently. So I was thinking maybe if uh, Team A is undergoing a fairly long losing streak and facing Team B, who is riding a fairly long winning streak, well, maybe you should bet Team A because most people will remember the most recent games. They will be, They'll put money on team B. That's going to move the line. And then there's going to be value on team A. Interesting.
0: It is. A little contrarian, but at the same time, psychologically, it makes sense. Huh.
1: All of the yes. factors have to be brought in to bear and not just the day before. Right. It's- yeah, a lot of things, and I mean, then players change, head coaches change, ethos and approach to a style within different sports can always have an effect. Right, I, mean, I was, I always look at, say, oh, 10 years ago, so and so beat so and so. I said, that's great, that's great for historians. Right, you know, that from, was a different team. <laughs> yeah, it's a different team right. on a different day. Right. And there you go. Deal with this one, but it does. There are certain resonances, certain right. things that can be in play that and are consistent. And that will, like,
0: like, like, uh, like he said, will will move the line. Yeah, yeah. Wow. This is. I got to tell you. Sometimes I'm listening to this whole show. I'm. I'm like. Yeah. I, will, I. wish I gambled.
1: No, you don't. <laughs> no. God, I wish you I gambled. Don't, David. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure having this time to talk to you. Um, and we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully, you well, still thank have fun. Very enjoy- much. No, hope yeah. you have
0: fun and enjoy. I hope you find another like uh, mechanism that you found 20 years ago uh, with the 100% <laughs> risk free betting. I'm sure you're working on it. And when you do, please email me. Before you yes. go public with it, please email me.
3: Yes, I'll give you a call for sure.
1: He may not have told the truth then, <laughs> 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 which I expect and yeah. respect <laughs> totally. David, thank you. Thank B- you. David de Boudin. Boudin. Uh, Baudouin. Baudouin. Laval University in Canada. Baudouin, right?
3: Yes, Baudouin. Thank you very much for having me. I
1: appreciate a lot. No, the appreciation is ours. You say it far better than I do. Thank you to David Baudouin. Interesting, the amount of data, the amount of time, the amount that has to be spent just to get to grips with one particular bet. It's not something for those people who think, oh, well, what's... Pass me the paper. I'll look to see who's... Yeah. No, it's not. Who knew it's... betting
0: was so fascinating? I got to tell you, I'm learning so much today.
1: Yeah, it's becoming a sport. Now, that's it. David Bodin, thank you so much to him. We are going to take another break. When we come back... Todd Furman! Todd Furman, yeah. Uh, This guy is a former Vegas odds maker. Yeah. So if there's a wrinkle anywhere...
0: He knows it.
1: He knows it, and he knows how to iron it out. Yeah. Stick around, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Playing With Science and our sports betting special. Yep, new legislation, as we said earlier on has opened the floodgates, potentially. Uh, We have to speak to somebody who knows intimately what it's like to be behind the curtain, someone involved in every aspect, and we've found just the right guy. Todd Furman, the co-founder of the podcast, Bet the Board, a regular on FS1, and this will really blow you away, a former odds maker in Las Vegas. So when it comes to shedding a light to what is happening past, present, and future, we certainly have the right guy. Todd Furman, welcome to Playing of Science, sir. Hey, thank you guys for having me. And after that introduction, this interview is only going to go one way, and I think
4: that's straight downhill. So we'll do our best. Bye! To try and yeah. Keep that bar raised.
0: Hey, no, man, that's, uh, you <laughs> no, know, that's at, least, cool. at least you let us know where we were going. And uh, and as an <laughs> odds maker,
1: you know, knowing is half the battle. Todd, on the other side of the fence for for a sports betting scenario... What's the, first thing, what's the first thing a professional gambler will think when looking at a sports bet?
4: Well, there's so many different components that go into it. And the one crazy part about sports, the same way as someone approaching the financial markets, there's a lot of different ways that individuals can be successful, whether it's using some of the technical analysis and trying to watch the games, figure out the X's and O's, and how all those are going to play out in the course of a three, three and a half hour event. Folks out there who are looking to build math models and go, you know what, we can distill every player and every team, regardless of the sport down to its bare essence, and how those numbers will integrate with one another, creating some opportunity. And for me at this point, having been in the field as long as I had, I always come back to Malcolm Gladwell and thin slicing that you just look at a number and you realize, hey, something doesn't feel right about this where something is going to create an opportunity. And by the more you create that familiarity and the faster that you're able to try and process a lot of the stimuli, and there are plenty of them because these games don't ultimately come down to being 50-50 propositions, as people lead you to believe. Right. Uh, you figure out a pathway and an ability to try and break down the numbers, distill it down to its bare roots and figure out where you can make an investment. But I think, guys, the one thing that people take for granted is to be profitable in this business Assuming that you put up $11 to win 10, which is traditional juice or vigorish on a football game, right. you have to be successful 52.4% of the time. So if anybody wants to promise you delusions of grandeur of a 60% success rate or even higher than that, right. uh, make sure that you check their balance sheet because there's no way they have 37 beach houses. Uh, across
0: this great globe. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. And I just love the fact that uh, you you brought up a Gladwellian approach to betting. Yeah, that's uh, it's, but that should tell the people listening right now the kind of person that you are and what you might want to be in order to be a professional better uh, or a gambler. Uh, here's, uh, you know, here's the thing. Um, so I don't, you know, we established this at the top of the show. You know, my father had a gambling problem. It was uh, very, very serious, and um, it, it it scarred me in many ways. But I have no problem with gamblers, and I have no problem with gambling. I think it's a good thing, to be honest. It's it's a form of entertainment under control. It can be a form of uh, a business for people. You know what I mean? But if you have a problem, please, you know, you need to get help. Uh, and 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 there's no shame in that. Now, with that being said. The song tells us that you never count your money. Oh, when you're sitting at the table, (laughs) there'll be time enough to count it when the playing's done. Now, what I know, because my father was this kind of gambler, and we're talking real money, a real gambler counts his money all the time. As a matter of fact, you, like in your head, while you're even at table playing, you better know exactly where you are because bankrolling what you're doing is a big part of, of, of being able to win. So what's your view on on knowing what's in your pocket when you're gambling?
4: That is 100% an accurate statement and assessment of how a better, regardless of your if you're being a poker player, if you're in a professional sp- sport or something else along those lines, you want to know exactly where you sit At any moment in time. So for me personally, I keep a spreadsheet of every single bet I've made over the last seven years that I can tell you by sport what my win percentage is, what my dollars wagered are, what my ROI is. So I can constantly assess and reassess, hey, where do I have an edge? You know what the WNBA hasn't been good to me this season with teams laying between 2 and 5 points on the road. Oh maybe gosh. I should spend, maybe I should spend more time with NASCAR or IndyCar uh, <laughs> no. or my, my beloved NFL to try and figure out ways that I can maximize the opportunities that are out there and I think you're spot on. Folks that are coming from a recreational component, they may set aside a few dollars and go, "You know what? I have $100, I'm going to bet Every single dollar every Sunday, win or lose, that's what I'm going to use to try and keep myself busy the same way they would pay greens fees. And that's a kind of what you'll see in a similar mentality for folks that sit down at a roulette table, a dice table or what have you. But bankroll management and discipline are absolutely essential if you're going to be able to turn this into a profession and make money in doing so.
1: Todd, you said you're a big fan of the NFL. I've got three other letters for you, O, C and D. is that is that i just got that i was like
0: i was like what league is ocd (laughs) where where do i see an
1: ocd game the ontario canadian (laughs) don't even start,
4: right that was good that was good so is it
1: actually as in as with some athletes ocd is actually an advantage not a disadvantage Uh, i
4: think you have to be diligent in what you do that's different yeah. And the schedules that that betters will keep to try and find their edge and take full advantage. If you don't know your positions on a particular sporting event or a future or anything else along those lines, right. you're doing yourself a disservice and giving the book a little bit of an edge. And for this business, when you have such small margins to kind of be successful and you aspire to maybe a six to eight percent ROI mm-hmm. uh, in some of the best seasons that are out there, I'm not willing to give that edge away by any means possible. So OCD definitely comes in handy. I will tell you guys, though, that being an OCD sports better and knowing the kind of time commitment it takes does put a little bit of toll on some of those personal relationships. And you have to have very understanding girlfriends, boyfriends, and partners for anybody that does this full time.
0: Just spend a little bit of the winnings on those people and they'll be fine. <laughs> uh,
1: Todd, you you go, I'll take you back to a, a younger Todd where you said, you know what, Wall Street wasn't quite for you. You didn't feel that, Number crunching was your thing. But out of Wall Street, out of the hedge fund guys, have come the algorithms. From the algorithms, the betting landscape has changed. How has it changed and where is it going?
4: I think when you look at machine learning and AI, that's going to be a big part of the space as you continue to go forward and see how some of the smartest guys in the world that have been able to beat the most efficient markets out there, which essentially are the stock markets, whether it's domestically or internationally, you're going to see a lot of those components get translated to the sports betting market. Now, there are some inherent challenges, though, that don't make that quite an apples-to-apples comparison, yeah. because in the stock market, no matter what broker you go through, you're able to purchase X number of shares for the same price anywhere, anytime, any day, based on the cap and some of the other limitations that are there. Sports betting is very different, because I could go down the street right now and I can pull out my mobile app and bet it a Caesars or an MGM or a stations, casinos, what have you, but I'm going to get very different limits extended to me based on who I am as an individual versus a player that wants to come in and kind of bet this event over the counter. So the idea that I can get down if I had that bankroll, you know, seven figures on any particular sporting event, uh, that's a pipe dream. So you have to be smart. You have to be creative and go, you know what? I'll take 500 here. I'll take a thousand here and figure out how you can use some of those market conditions uh, to your advantage. But when you look at some of the other opportunities that are out there, I think that's what the industry has seen. Some of the sharpest guys that used to be behind the counter using those algorithms and trying to create the most efficient power numbers for the house go, hold on a second. If I'm on the other side of the window, I can take full advantage of it. And all I have to find as a sports better is one to two soft numbers on a laundry list and a grocery list of sporting events. Whereas if I'm the house, I have to protect my digital fortress in the English Premier League, as effectively as I do the NFL, college basketball, NASCAR, IndyCar, cricket, and any other menagerie of sports that are out there. So it does create some challenges for the house that the player doesn't have to deal so with. Damn.
1: How are the house putting up a fireball here? How are the house stopping these machine learning algorithms, the AI attack?
4: They're trying, but I'm not sure some of them are doing it as effectively as they would like. Now, they're going to impose limitations. So sometimes if you're an advantage player, the reality of the business is, we go, you know what? We're in a business on one side of the counter to make money. We don't want to do business with a customer that consistently gets an edge or we would typically reduce his or her limits when I was behind the counter at Caesars. Now, from my standpoint, I see that as a negative in the way the space is trending because I would go, hey guys, you guys have a defined edge. I'm going to give you a certain amount that you're able to bet. Once you bet into that, I'm going to move the number in a corresponding fashion and I'm more than happy to try and take as much action as possible on the other side, using those guys more or less as my research and development team trying to guide the market before it gets there. Absolutely,
0: you're using, yeah,
4: yeah. Exactly, yeah, use the information at your disposal. Absolutely. But I think we're, we're heading to a spot where it's gonna be very interesting in terms of what some of the professionals are doing to give themselves an edge, what the house is doing. And I think a lot of people go, well, wouldn't that lead to a more efficient market, peer-to-peer betting or things of that nature? Uh, but I think in the next 12 to 24 months, we may reach critical mass and, and see a shift in the way people view this particular space. Wow. Hey, you know something? You
0: said something, some of the sharpest guys. And so that just, that this is attenuated, but it popped into my head. I've heard this term sharp money. I have no idea what that is. What is sharp money?
4: So what that term is going to mean is that every dollar in the sports betting marketplace isn't created equally. Uh, If you have a customer, since you have a track record and what we used to call booking to faces, that I could recognize someone and know some of their betting pattern, they would come up and bet with us consistently, Hmm. That a $1,000 bet from one customer, I wouldn't equate to a $100,000 bet from another customer because that individual that's betting the $1,000 had the edge. So that was what I would call sharp money, and that's the term that's widely bantered about uh, within the space, that it's not necessarily the amount bet on a particular sporting event. It's that individual that may be betting it that you're going to put a lot more stock in his or her information than you will someone who may come down and plunk down a much larger sum of cash. So bets have quality and quantity
0: attached to them uh, like like anything else, huh?
4: Exactly, and one of the things... That, that I lived by uh, as an odds maker, is you wanted to give the right customer the right bet for the right amount at the right time, and it's no different than retail. I don't need to sell a pair of jeans for $49 if a customer is willing to pay $89 for that exact same pair. Oh, wow. And the same thing would apply in sports, that if I have a customer that wants to bet some of the biggest games out there, and they're willing to bet the Patriots minus eight instead of laying minus six that the number may be across the street, I'm more than happy to put them in a disadvantageous position to work in my benefit. Wow.
1: Yeah. There you okay. go. All right, because it's it, it's all about winning and losing and what you've just told me is sports betting is a sport in itself. Yeah. With 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 technical execution and almost an artistic quality that gets referenced in terms of sharp money. So, thank you to Todd Furman, a man who I will definitely not be buying a pair of Dennings from anytime soon or ever. Yeah, uh, fascinating stuff, Oh, isn't man. it? So, okay, go and check out his podcast, Bet the Board. Uh, it is, as we were saying earlier on, it's almost as if sports betting is like a sport itself. Yeah. The attention to detail yeah. is up there with the sort of attention coaches have when they prepare for other teams. Weaknesses, strengths, injuries... Everything and who knew Twitter could be your biggest ally? Ah, yeah, I knew, I knew Twitter was going to be my ally. Okay, I'm going to stop. Please stop that right now. And uh, talking of stop, that's it for our show. It Uh, is. I hope the field of sports betting is now a little bit clearer for you it is Mm -hmm. for for me it is for chuck i Mm -hmm. know um i had a lot of fun doing this yes and you can bet your bottom dollar we'll be back next week with another show and it's
0: gonna be a stone gas honey
1: you've been sat on that egg all show, haven't you? And it's finally hatched. Are you happy with yourself? I am quite pleased. Thought you were. Right. I've been Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. No, he's not. This has been Playing With Science, our sports betting show. We look forward to your company very, very soon.